You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1090. And boy, do we have a good show for you. Dr. Sean Andrews, the author of The Power of Perception, is our guest. Why is her book unique? It's the first book that addresses the global leadership gender gap by examining multiple barriers for advancement, along with gender culture, emotional intelligence, diversity, and inclusion, and different generations. It's also the first book to provide actionable and practical strategies for each topic and integrate multiple constructs into one unifying theme. That theme, the power of perception. Sean, I've been excited to have you on the show since we met all those weeks ago. Welcome to the radio show. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's get started very simply. Tell us a little bit about, you refer to the perception as a powerful form of reality. So perception is a powerful form of reality, but how does this show up in the workplace, perception? Mm. Well, it shows up all over the workplace, okay. actually. Uh, I can So when I did my dissertation research on this about seven years ago, eight years ago, I realized that it comes down to perception, and it's all about perceptions of actually men and women in the workplace. But for women in particular, it impacts promotion and career advancement. And so and so it has nothing to do with skills and competencies of women as workers, as leaders, but it's the perceptions of women mm. in the workplace. And so... Um, so, so I'm going yeah. to ask you for an example of a perception so that we can make it tangible for our audience. Absolutely. Well, I was hoping you would, so okay. thank you. Uh-huh. So I'll give an example. So when, when, you, when we, as a society, when we think of a leader... I often ask audiences, what do you think of? You know, what comes to mind? Mm-hmm. I often hear competitive, uh, aggressive, assertive, confident, decisive, you know, maybe can, you know, handle stress, take risks. I, those are the types of descriptors I typically hear. Okay. We don't hear interpersonal relationships. We don't hear empath- empathy. You know, we don't hear collaboration, teamwork oftentimes. So... So why I'm, this is what this is called is agenic leader behavior. So when we associate, when we think of a leader, yes, we think in male terms. Hmm. We don't think in female terms, and men and women do this. Okay, and so it's, and it's a type of bias that's ingrained in us. And so when we, uh, you know, think of historical leaders, you know, we hear those typical descriptors, but we're not thinking about some of the skills and strengths that women have and hmm. bring to the table. And so that's one type of perception that actually shows up. Pervasive. It shows up everywhere. Is that a U.S. phenomenon? Is that a North American phenomenon? Is that a global thing? What are you finding in your research? It is global, oh, and boy. it is <laughs> across multiple industries. Okay. So it's not so. in it's uh, it's not industry specific, actually. Right. Um, yeah. So technology or whatever might be the current whipping person industry for this. It's not just that. Your research says it's much more pervasive than that. It is. Yeah. I mean, and, and we. And when you're thinking of just a generic leader, but um, perceptions even filter down more than that. So when we think of, for example, uh, I studied emotional intelligence, as you mentioned. Yes. And I looked at how the perceptions of our EQ strengths comes across in the workplace. And so I'll just give you yeah. a quick example, if you'd like. I'd love it. Is so we perceive, so we perceive men, we tend to perceive men as leaders and we t- tend to perceive women more as supporters. We don't, you know, perceive women as leaders right mm. off the bat. And so, as I as I alluded to earlier, but when I, I interviewed women and I 
uh, in my research, and women who are naturally stronger in what would you con what you'd consider the male-specific emotional intelligence competency. So, confidence, assertiveness, stress tolerance are the male-specific, and then the female-specific EQ competencies are empathy, interpersonal relationships, and social responsibility. Hmm. So that's how we tend to fall out from in it from a gender-specific pattern. Okay. So, so having said that. I heard um, women shared stories with me. So if a woman was naturally, let's say, confident, assertive woman, naturally, and she displayed that at work all the time, uh, she heard things like, tone down your assertiveness, be more of a team player, be more collaborative. Wow. So actually the opposite of what the image of a leader was. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. But what's, what's interesting about that, Rick, is if you look at the flip side of the coin, women who are actually higher in the female-specific EQ competency. So let's uh -huh. say they were a naturally empathetic woman right. and leader. They were perceived as lacking substance and intelligence. <laughs> you can't win. You can't win. That's exactly <laughs> it. And, and, you know, that's exactly the... Um, the sentiment that, right. that that I heard over and over is that it, it's a difficult position because whether women were stronger than the male or the female, they still were met with perceptions that impacted their promotion. So one of the things <clears throat> that caught my eye in your book and in, in in prepping for this is that we talked about it's it's a global thing, but you also said it's an industry-wide thing and somewhat an age thing. And I was of the opinion that maybe as younger generations come into the workforce, some of these held beliefs would become these perceptions less of a reality. Is your research suggesting that trend exists, or is that just hopeful thinking on my part? As we age? No, so, as we bring in the younger cohorts. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. No, it, it is, it is, it's actually both, to okay. answer your question. Oh, boy. Uh, it is wishful thinking, okay. uh, but it is, we do see trends towards that. Okay. <laughs> But, so you're right. You're on the right, right track. Okay. Um, so in looking in, I actually have a chapter dedicated in the in the book to millennials right. and, and actually Gen Generation Z. You know, their younger cohorts coming up behind them. Uh huh. And what I looked at is that we actually uh, millennials actually have more in common with women historically. So I'll give you an example. Women value, or excuse me, millennials really value flexibility in the okay. workplace more so than the boomers and Gen Xers did. They value the work-life balance. They're searching for meaning and purpose in their jobs now. Mm. They just don't want to come in, work eight to five, you know, clock in, clock out like their parents or grandparents did. Right. They they've want, seen that play. They've seen it. And they exactly. know how it ends up. And they're like, homie, don't play that tune. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bless their souls. Exactly. And I think that's actually a very positive sign. I, I'm agreeing with you. And for workplaces to remain competitive, they're going to have to adapt. And right. Because the millennials are now the largest living generation. Mm. They've surpassed the boomers as, okay. in, in sheer numbers. So we have to pay attention to this, uh -huh. and it's an important development, and the Gen, Gen Z behind them have many of the similar character, same characteristics as millennials, you and they're projected to be even bigger. Wow. So wow. This, this is a significant global trend yes. that's occurring at work, and I, th I think it's very positive because not only are, are organizations going to have to adapt, but um, it's better for for women as well, because women women value many of the same things that millennials mm -hmm. do, uh, which is the flexibility, the work-life balance, the meaning, the purpose. So, so we have an enlightened audience here of CEOs and business owners around the world that listen to Critical Mass Radio Show and podcast. And um, sometimes when we talk about some of these issues that you and I are touching on, people might think this is a bias or you have an axe to grind or something. But you're a 
this is your dissertation, yes? This yes. is a heavily researched, <laughs> for those of you on Facebook Live uh, or YouTube watching it later, this is not, uh, you know, a thin book here. So what we're talking about is not your author's bias that you wrote a book to confirm, your research that you're writing about the power of perception. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, I'm really glad. But yes, yeah, so this is a 300-page book. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a, it's an it's not an afternoon beach read. Right. It's going to take you a little longer, right. maybe a few trips to the beach. But um, yeah, it's based on my own dissertation research, but also the research of many, many others on the topics of leadership, EQ, gender, diversity, yeah. and it's so this I have is research of- thinking and investigation into these fields. You've been able to bring it together, and you. T- so why did you title it "The Power of Perception"? So I titled it that because when I when I researched this and I looked at all the data and you know did the um, tabulations and all that, what I saw falling out it was patterns and trends, Uh-oh. and that it all came down to perception. And as I mentioned earlier, it has nothing to do with skills or competencies of individuals, right? And particularly for, of women, but uh, it's perceptions. It's our perceptions of women as leaders. It's our perceptions of women as workers as mothers and as wives Hmm. and it all spills over into the workplace interesting and those perceptions are powerful and so that that actually when when i looked at all of it really analyzed you know the data that's what i saw it's about perception and a lot of things underlie that perception but that's what it comes down to so we're going to take a very short break here on critical mass radio show and podcast so don't go anywhere these listen to us live on the stream here on octalkradio.net or as i said on facebook or somewhere else if you're watching us because this is just going to be one short word when we come back i wonder if you could share the inspiration that sure. you had for writing this book 300 pages of it a big commitment right so you don't want to go anywhere ladies and gentlemen dr sean andrews and i will be back after this word from me Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. You know, all of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher.com, Spreaker, uh, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have been on our show. Since we started the show in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through our live stream, podcasts, and other platforms. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your favorite software uh, podcasting software, sorry, to find our weekly shows with great guests like Dr. Sean Andrews. We're talking about her book, The Power of Perception, the heavily researched and documented reality of the workplace. And um, I asked you before the break, I was going to ask you to tell us what was the inspiration for making the commitment to complete this book? Yeah, so when I started my doctoral dissertation in 2010, I knew, so So what's, I'll just take a step back. What I knew I wanted to research women in leadership, but what led me to that is at the time, the statistics around the, the leadership gender gap in our global society 
starting to be started to be published in the mainstream. And so I saw this data that showed the percentages of women in the workforce, the percentages of women getting bachelor's degrees, and then the actual percentages who are, sit on boards and are CEOs. Hmm. And when you look at those stats, they're shocking. Right. Purely shocking. Why? Because in, a, in a sentence, what's missing? Well, what happened is what happens is women are in the workforce. So you can't say it's historical. You can't say they don't have education. You can't say women don't have experience. We're there. Women are there. But when you look at leadership, we're not there. Right. And why? I was really intrigued about what is behind how how can we go from 50 60% in numbers right across industries to 5% Cross industries globally. Right. Why? Why? Why are so many women falling off? It would seem like there's an external factor that's mitigating that, or something, because the population is there. It would be yeah. natural that it should keep representing about the same amount all the way through the the levels of the pyramid, right? You got it. Okay, that would be a natural assumption. You would right? think that, right? <laughs> yes, you would Unless think there's that. some controlling factors. I'm using words that may not be research correct, but you know what I'm trying to say. Something yeah. beyond the reality of that situation is creating this. Problem. Yes. And, and the reality is there are multiple barriers. Uh, unfortunately, there's not one silver, you know, one, <laughs> one we can easy just thing, right. tackle and that's it. We're <laughs> right, all good. You right. know, gender bias, check, check, done. <laughs> done in 2018. Yeah, done. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it's multifactorial. Um, and some, some of the barriers are passed off from generation to generation and reinforced in society and in the media. And others, we control ourselves. So okay. some we can affect short term, some it's going to take longer to affect, but um, is that why you wrote the book? I really what so so I saw the stats. I was shocked. I was intrigued about what was behind it. But the reason I wanted to write the book is because I'm an educator by nature, uh, teaching, training. Um, I, I'm and so I wanted to write it to, to bring awareness to all the issues because there are tons of issues in here. You know, as, as from uh, you know leadership to gender differences to. Um, socialization to diversity to generations to emotional intelligence there's tons of inf info and so I wanted to pull it all together and make it put in one place that's understandable and explain it so I wanted to bring awareness uh, I wanted to educate but I also wanted to inspire mm -hmm. I want to inspire men I want to inspire women and I want to inspire organizations to help them be more competitive but also diverse and inclusive in the end because we are becoming more diverse as a global society every day and that's not going away do you equate being uh diverse and inclusive with being more competitive does your research suggest those qualities equal that outcome they do okay they do and actually that's actually not even my research that's research of others okay. um, many others and so um so yeah so i i have one chapter called uh, diversify or die is the right. name of the chapter and in there is where i put all those statistics around diversity and inclusion so on a whole host of factors from people are more engaged to more innovation to more collab collaborative to these are all good things yeah we work better as teams we feel that our opinions are valued hey, that's a nice thing right? sounds like nirvana <laughs> it does it does <laughs> it can't uh, possibly exist in business <laughs> right <laughs> so you have all these you have all these things but you also have bottom line numbers yes. you have better return on equity you better do. return on investment and so so when you look at that and i i explain it on the book but when you look at all the stats the data is there Wow. And it keeps growing. So the data behind being more diverse and inclusive, and it's not, gender is a big part of it. And uh -huh. the reason I, fo so there's also, of course, race diversity, um, 
really different backgrounds, age, um, LGBT. There's many types of diversity. Sure. But gender is the best place to start with because it encompasses all those other types. It does, doesn't it? So that's why I focus on gender. But when I speak of diversity and inclusion, I'm referring I'm referring to gender, but it also includes you know, race, ethnicity, age. We're talking with Dr. Sean Andrews. We're talking about her book, The Power of Perception. And um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you uh, this feels like this realization of the benefits of inclusion and diversity is being picked up by large multinational companies faster than smaller companies. In my, I have no research for this, Sean. It's just my sense, <laughs> right, that PepsiCo and Coke yeah. and other large multi- big brands recognize the value of doing this and have initiatives for that. But it's something that my audience, which tends to be lower middle market companies across North America and around, around the world, you can learn from your big brothers and sisters, right? the value, and you should be able to affect your company quicker because you have less people. So a, a well-placed diversity strategy can make a bigger difference in a company of 100 than a company of 100,000. Absolutely. And if you think of why the big companies are leading the charge, it's because they're under corporate pressure to do that. You know, their stakeholders are providing pressure. There's more pressure on boards to be more diverse and inclusive. And a lot of companies have taken heat right. for not being. And so so big companies, and there's a number that have hopped on the bandwagon, and there's more every day. And But I, I absolutely agree with you. I think smaller companies, smaller to midsize, have a tremendous opportunity here. Because they can affect change quicker right. and so, easier. Uh, we're running out of time, and I apologize for that. We have a few minutes left. Who did you write this book for? Who should go on? Well, you're going to tell us where to go to get it, but who should read your book? So let me reference. So when you think of – so I, I would say that the main audience, the main who would probably be most interested in this book, would be career-minded women. Okay. Because it's, it's in the same vein as the confidence code, lean in – you know, Sally Hegelson, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Lois Frankel's, we read some books. So it's in the same vein of, of those books, which are about women, uh, career, career-minded women. But I also wanted to balance that because, we, because men are critically important and we can't affect any change. Uh, we won't even get close to gender parity without men on board. Right. And so I, 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 speak a, I speak to men through, through uh, in the leadership, the emotional intelligence, and the barriers. In the chapter 12 in particular, which is the conclusion, okay. <clears throat> implications for men, women, in the world. And I titled it that because that chapter is directed even more towards men and organizations and what we can do. So I was um, wanted to put a lot of effort into providing some practical tools and strategies that can be actioned right away. Mm. And, and, and I find with that with CEOs... Most of the time, they're simply unaware of the issues. Right. And so I have I several agree. pages I've dedicated. for. I've, I've spoken directly to CEOs and then to organizations and their HR and leadership and, and what they can do to, uh, you know, to speak to the newer generations and, speak, and to help make our organizations more flexible, more diverse, and more inclusive. Because I agree with you that so many times it's what they don't know they don't know. But once they learn it, then they want to take action. So having tools and guidebook and assistance to taking action – increase the likelihood they're going to actually make something happen with what they've just learned. Yeah. Make it easy for them to take it back and try to implement it within their organizations, right? Right. Okay. <clears throat> and I didn't I didn't want to stop at just a career mind, career for women book. Right. Because that's not enough. Right. And, and so we, Because your title is Perception the Power of Perception. Perception is reality. Mm-hmm. You you're only dealing with half the population if you just exclude men. That's right. Right, and so we have to have we have to have everything, everyone working in tandem in sync together to dialogue right. and take action. So, so do you think uh, someday you'll write a book about how 
perception has changed, or is there? An, do you think within our lifetime, Dr. Andrews, that the the tide will have changed enough that research will suggest that that equal population will have moved up the ranks of the corporate world? I I hesitate to say we will get to a true gender equality. True, 50, what I mean by that is fifty fifty. Yeah, represented by the. 50, percentage 50. of the population. And the reason I say that is because in, in the research I did and the women I interviewed, oftentimes women will get to a certain level, let's say director of VP, and they'll look at the top and say, uh, I don't want the politics. Right. You know, I value my phone, my free time more. You know, I don't want to be caught up in that. And so women often want different things than men. Not all. You know, okay. there's, there's many women who want, you know, success and leadership just like men do. But there are some women who want other things. And... For those reasons, I don't think we will ever get to true 50-50 parity, hmm. but we can get a lot closer than 5%, which is what we have That's now. That's shocking, right? 5%. That, 5%. That, there's really no good reason other than the power of perception and bias and re, you know, the reality of how we view things, right? So you're, right. You're, you're helping us to reframe a bit of that, and I appreciate it. If someone would like to buy your book, mm -hmm. how would they get your book? Well, it's available everywhere. It's available on Amazon, other online sites, and also in bookstores. Okay. Uh, so it's it actually officially launched March 6th, so it is wow. out there, wow. available. Doesn't that feel good? It does. It does. I'm actually very excited because I'm doing my first book signing this Saturday. Where? At Barnes & Noble in the Tustin Marketplace nice. on Jamboree. Oh, there you go. So if you're in Orange County or Southern California, where is that again? It's on Jamboree, and it's, it's, it's Tustin Marketplace on Jamboree, and it'll be from 1 to 5. I'll be there. Wow. Signing books. And it's actually in conjunction with Girls Inc. It's a fundraiser sure. for them. Okay. So a percentage of the, all the proceeds will benefit Girls Inc. as well. Well, that is, I'm glad you brought that up. That's awesome. Hopefully, if you're listening yeah. to the live stream or you picked up the podcast this week and you can go out and uh, participate. And Girls Inc. is a great organization. So yeah. thank yes. you for being a friend of the program. I appreciate the support. Welcome to the Critical Mass community. Thank you, Rick. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Very proud of what you've done here. This is awesome work, and I want to thank the people who introduced us, right? Hopefully they're yep. out there listening either to the live stream or they're going to listen to the podcast. But that's all we have time for. So i got to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, without whom we wouldn't have a show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you want to connect with me on social media, I'd say start with LinkedIn. We'll go from there. Let's start the conversation on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.